Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome everyone on tax day. Hope everyone has prepared uh, their taxes or at least filed. If not, got the extension filed, which is what I do most of the time. So it gives me ample time to figure out my taxes uh, as well. In today's show, I'll be talking to Alex Craig, who is the CEO of Turnkey Properties. And they are located in Little Rock, Arkansas, as well as Memphis, uh, Tennessee. This company provides uh, fully renovated single and multifamily properties in both these markets. Uh, the turnkey model is, of course, to acquire properties in strategic areas, renovate them to retail standards, place a qualified tenant, and manage the property for the clients. So we'll try to get more information about Little Rock Market as well in this episode. Hope you guys enjoy. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome, Alex, to Wealth Matters Podcast. How are you? I'm doing very good. And yourself? Good. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Um, you know, can you tell my listeners what do you do? All right, well, and, and thank you for having me on your show. I've been looking forward to it all weekend long. What I do uh, is I own a company where we purchase properties in Memphis and in Little Rock. Typically, they're very distressed. We take ownership of the property, fix them up uh, to a very high standard, uh, you know, very close to, you know, what you see on TV shows that flip this house. Okay. Instead of flipping for two owner occupants, we're flipping to investors. So we buy the house, we fix it up really nice, address all the deferred maintenance, and then we turn around and sell it to other investors. Uh, while we're during that whole entire process, we're trying to get the property leased out. We've got in-house property management. So we basically have all the tools necessary for somebody that's out of state to own property in Memphis or Little Rock and never even have to come here. And, um, and that's from start to finish. We've got, like I said, the property management house to manage the operation of the property after the sale. And that's, that's what we do in a nutshell. Oh, that's great. So uh, let me remind my listeners that, yeah, Alex and the Memphis Turnkey uh, are another turnkey providers. And a turnkey provider is who finds, you know, real estate um, or the single family as well as multifamily properties at lower prices than retail. They spend, uh, they renovate or remo you know, rehab the property, um, you know, bring it to a good standard and then find a tenant, place the tenant and, you know, so manage the property as well. So pretty much provides a full service experience. Uh, just wanted to give that reminder to my listeners. So um, how did you get into real estate and, um, you know, how did you get started pretty much? Well, it's kind of a long story, and I'll, I'll keep it short. But, um, you know, first of all, it's, it's how did I get started in real estate, or how did I get started doing something besides my normal job? Um, I had a corporate job, uh, 10 years doing corporate work, uh, sales and marketing for a large manufacturer of rough and plumbing, 
materials and solvent cement joint plastic pipe together. Of course, our our, wow. client, our customers were contractors and wholesalers. So you can imagine when I started with the company around 2001, um, all the way through 2008, it was a very profitable company. Uh, I was right. young. I didn't know any different. And then all of a sudden, 2008 happened. We're in an industry where we're making products for building uh, for new construction. And that just died. <laughs> no one wants to build, right? <laughs> no one wants to build. And what happens when you make a product to build houses, no one wants to build. It created mass layoffs. Right. Wow. I was one of the youngest people in the company and I got to keep my job and they gave me a a promotion, uh, but it, it only just included more work. But what I did see was people that had been with the company for a very long time that had gotten laid off, um, you know, 25, 30 year people, they're in their late 40s, early 50s, and had to go home and, and tell their families that I don't have a job anymore, put your resume together. And if you've been with the company for a long time, you know, you, you start to make a pretty good income. It's like starting over. And that was kind of the first real world experience I had that I was like, you know what, these, uh, I need to figure something out. Uh, I, I don't want to be in that same scenario. So um, I've been reading, um, you know, it's kind of been on bigger pockets and, you know, just watching general real estate shows, but I read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad and it really just kind of was an eye opening uh, book for me. So basically long story short, I went out and bought my first property to flip. That's, and, and, that's, uh, that's funny. So, I, of course, started after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I know way too many people, so many people, they started after or, or changed their perspective after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really does. It just, it's just kind of eye-opening. And then at that same time, I'm working for a company that's laying off people. Right. And um, that's kind of when you figure out the corporate world. Uh, I mean, it's the executives, the shareholders, the private equity groups that get taken care of first and everybody else. Uh, Kind of come second. Of course. <laughs> yeah, when I bought my first rental property, like it's actually wasn't supposed to be a rental, we were going to flip it. And um, we found a tenant and financing was really easy back then. So we yes. kind of enjoyed it. And then we just started buying rental property and it just kind of spiraled into what it is today. I mean, uh, never really started out to try to be a turnkey provider and property manager of 750 properties, but wow, get into your and what you're doing and rentals and networking, next thing you know, you're doing this and you've expanded. And uh, we went from selling a few investors a year when we first got started uh, around 2009 to selling, you know, we did 140, 120, 140 doors. I just, I don't have that in front of me, that information, but almost, you know, right around 140 doors last year. And we're going to do the same this year. That's great. So how did you then become an entrepreneur or business owner from starting from buying your first rental into, you know, building this business? Well, kind of an interesting story. Uh, I found it kind of funny. Uh, like I said, I was working for a company, so I was doing it on the side. Uh, my job took me to, uh, it traveled quite a bit into markets like Dallas, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, New York, New Jersey, Chicago, and on the West Coast. <laughs> And uh, whenever I'd go to these other cities, I would go into other uh, real estate investment groups, REAs they call them, real estate uh, education and investment association groups. Yeah, IDIs, yep. So I started meeting people and kind of talking about Memphis. And next thing you know, they're like, hey, uh, we'd like to own, you know, it really kind of originated on the, on the West Coast. And individuals were like, hey, I'd like to own property, but in California, it's just not really realistic. realistic. The numbers, you know, don't make sense. So we just started buying for other investors and that's kind of really how you got started. We started off with one or two and then 
you know, just like anything else, once you start treating people right and doing what you say you're going to do and, and you know, putting your interest along with your client's interest, your business just grows through word of mouth. And, and that's where we are today. And um, at some point, uh, about two years into it, uh, I quit my corporate job. Um, I, you know, that was, that was a leap of faith. But the day that happened, it was, I mean, I, just, I remember that feeling. Uh, it was the greatest feeling in my last day of, of, of working in the corporate world at that point. You know, you, you just try and, you know, you know, you can't fail. You don't have a check coming in. So, you know, whatever effort you thought you did good at in your corporate job, it, you know, imagine being an entrepreneur times 10. It's just yep. it's made 24 seven uh, on your mind. And, you know, that sometimes I think that's kind of a curse, but it also it's 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 how you become successful, too. You've got to love what you do and you got to be driven and always want to improve. And I guess that's you know, a little bit into you know, the secret of our success. Yeah, you got to be passionate about what you do, right? You have to enjoy yeah, the corporate job or you start, when you start your business. You know, that's what I tell my friends that if you don't enjoy your job, think about something else. At some point, either you would not want to go to that job anymore or either you would be laid off or, you know, I was laid off same as in 2008. So I have been through this exact same thing as you mentioned. <laughs> Well, if you think about it, when you're at a job, even if you hate your job, I know a lot of people that hate their job, right. but they, they still put max effort because if they don't, they'll get fired. And you know, most of them, as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, if you don't like what you're doing, there's nobody really to push you. So you have to love what you do. Um, and if you're doing it just for the money, uh, no. probably not going to be successful either. There has to be a true passion behind it. I totally agree. That was a golden nugget. Yeah, if you are just doing it for money, yeah, it's not gonna take you far. <laughs> so um, let me switch gear and ask you something. What were some of the highs and lows uh, after you started the business? You know, you became an entrepreneur. What have you seen? What was the highest point? And maybe there were some low points as well. I don't know if I could, you know, pick out one high or one low. I think as a a real estate investor, the, the high was when we first started buying our portfolio through Fannie Mae Financing. Um, you know, every time we closed on a property, it just there was a high of buying something, kind of adding to your your personal wealth. Um, right. Knowing you're leaving a legacy behind, and then all of a sudden in 2000 and I guess about nine, it was really hard to start buying for yourself. Uh, lending got really really tight. Uh, yeah. Maybe in the 2010, because I remember my challenge was is not having the W-2 income anymore. So, you know, trying to figure out how to start, you know, to continue to build your own portfolio was really tough. Uh, and that's, that's what we really wanted to do. And I mean, uh, honestly, we didn't, I never really thought we'd be at this volume level that we are at the turnkey side. So my, my plan was to build a huge portfolio. So that was, I think it was kind of a low with that lending, but, um, you know, um, there's a lot of highs and a lot of lows when you're in business. I mean, you know, when you, you know, transactions that you do well and it's a win-win and your client's happy. And you, I mean, every single time that happens, that, that's kind of a high you get off of it, especially when a client's really pleased with the job you've done. Um, you know, being an entrepreneur, you don't have a supervisor to say, you know, good job. So it, it all depends on, you know, a, a big high is it's making your clients happy um, because that's no one else is going to tell you good job as a business owner. Um, so I don't know if I've, you know, really nailed that, that question, but, uh, you know, there's just a lot of highs and lows. 
Well, that that was good. So, what what did you do to persist, right? How did you keep your yourself on track, right? Was there a point of where you you were thinking, oh, I sh- I don't want to do this, or or how did you keep yourself motivated? Yeah. So, as an entrepreneur, one thing that keeps you motivated is you um, you work hard, you produce, uh, you build your business, or you, you don't eat, you know, that's really, you know, I know it sounds really extreme and it is, it's, it's not that extreme, but it's, you know, somewhere in there, that's, that's kind of what happens. But, uh, you know, when, when we had a tough time building our own portfolio, it was, uh, we went out and found private lending. So we started building by private lending. Um, we found a lot of local banking relationships. Uh, so from, from that angle of, of wanting to keep, how to persist, it's just keep picking up the phone and, keep at it and, and keep networking. Um, so I think that's any time. And even as a, you know, attorney provider, we sell properties, uh, it gets a little bit slow. Uh, you just kind of, you know, you got a plan and you stick to it. And if it's a good plan, things will work out. So it's just, you know, how do you, you know, you ask what steps you, you took to be persistent. You just stay persistent on yourself and work the plan that you've developed. And that's a great point you brought up about networking, right? Real estate is a networking business. Most of the businesses are, but real estate is specifically is word of mouth, referral, networking. So, you know, I'm glad that you brought up networking. Yeah, I mean, networking is important. Um, I mean, it was important in my corporate days and it's important now. We've developed a lot of great relationships. We've uh, we spoken a lot of real estate events. And to be honest with you, uh, you know, when I first started into this, I, I was kind of, you know, speaking in front of a big group wasn't something that I just really wanted to do. It's, you know, I tend to be uh, probably a little more on the introverted side. So to go out there and stand in front of a group of 100 people was not something I really wanted to do. But, you know, you, you know the things you have to do and you do it. Now, I, like you said, you, you're persistent. And, and actually, I love doing it now. And we, like I said, we networked at a lot of event, real estate events, um, a lot of meetups. And in the West Coast, and we'll, we'll do some more this year, but networking and, and developing relationships has just been across the board that's just important as a business owner. Totally agree. So uh, can you provide one golden nugget or a tool uh, to my audience about, you know, being an entrepreneur or business owner? Well, you know, we, we briefly hit on having a passion for it. If you're going just to be, and um, just to make money because it sounds like something's profitable, then you're not going in with the right mindset. Um, you just want to be successful. So I'd, I'd say have a passion for it. Um, and also don't be scared of failure. And that's, I think that's the number one people, number one reason why people don't decide to be an entrepreneur. They're scared to fail. Uh, they're scared to quit their job. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying if you're, you know, go quit your job tomorrow if you only got three or four thousand bucks in your account. <laughs> you, know, you need to figure out what you know. What do I need to live on? Yes. Um, you know, pay my mortgage, uh, your car, I mean, the essentials, feed your family. Yep. Make sure you have that. Whatever you think that the time frame you need that, have that in reserve. But uh, the main thing is, you know, believe in yourself. If you've got a good product and a good idea, and you've got a passion for it, um, you'll be you'll be fine. But you know, you've got to you know, kick fear to the curb and, and you just got to go do it. 
Yeah, so one takeaway for me is don't be afraid of failure. I, I like that actually, because it, it's very important. All of us have, you know, everyone has some kind of business idea or some idea on how to make things better, but they're always afraid that, oh, if I fail, what will happen, right? Would I be able to feed my family or would I be able to go back to my corporate job or what would I do, right? So it, it's really important, don't be afraid. Of course, you want to have a plan of action, Right. You, as you said, that you, you want to have some reserves, cash reserve, as well as, you know, make sure you have money to pay for your mortgage, etc. But once you have a plan of action, you have an idea. And if you are passionate about it, I, you know, there is no um, time better than now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jump into that. Yeah, and um, you know, there's that saying that, that life's short, and, and I get the meaning. You know, say life's short because I'm blinking now. You know, I, I used to have three little kids, now you know, when I'm still a little, I got four, eight, and ten, and it seemed like yesterday they're all babies. Yeah. Really, so I get that saying, life's short, but really, it's not that short. So, I mean, life's a really long time. I mean, most people live to be in their 80s. So if you had a failure somewhere in your mid 30s, between 34 and 35, you've got another 45 years to correct Thanks. it before I'm on this earth is done. So, um. Like I said, I get the saying life is short, but it's really not. So if you if you did have a failure, and people do fail, oh uh, yes, but it's you, you can bounce back. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, well, yeah, a great point. Walt Disney failed like seventeen times, right? No one was ready to accept his scripts and whatnot. Yeah. Same way, if you look at uh, you know uh, KFC or McDonald's, they all failed, right? But where they are, right? because they were passionate and they, they wanted to make these things work. Um, that, that's a great point. It's funny, you, you mentioned uh, McDonald's and I've seen the movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the movie, The Founder? Oh, of course. It was a good movie, definitely. <laughs> it's a great movie. I just, you know, I was bored this weekend. It rained really hard in Memphis. Uh, so I watched it again. And one of the things that Ray Kroc said is just, I'm persistent and I want to win. Yes. You got to have that winning attitude. Yeah, you can't lose if you have a winning attitude and you're persistent. I don't think you can lose. You can fail, but you can bounce back, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. So and that's all good. Yeah. yeah, he's a perfect example. Oh, uh, yeah, it is, he is a perfect example. Okay, so I'm going to switch some gears because I don't know a lot about Little Rock Market. Um, and of course, a lot of people know about Memphis already, as you mentioned. But why Little Rock? I, what what's going for Little Rock right now? Uh, Little Rock is um, 149 miles west of Memphis, and, and that's where we started in Memphis. But we've been in Little Rock now for I believe this is our fifth year. Um, the cash flow in, in Little Rock is really good. Um, you know, we're starting to sell as many properties in Little Rock as we do in Memphis, and Memphis tends to be that household name. And Little Rock kind of flew into the radar, but more and more people were starting to figure out that it's a good market to invest. Uh, very steady economy. So in 2008, when the economy tanked, a lot of housing price, uh, prices dropped. Mm -hmm. but when Memphis, our prices are just now coming up to where they were pre-bust by 2008. And Little Rock, we haven't seen that kind of appreciation only because there wasn't that big of a, a downturn. Uh, uh more diverse economy. I mean, every city has these things that make them tick. You know, if you're oil and gas in Dallas or Houston, uh, Memphis tends to be a logistics town. But Little Rock's had a very diverse economy, and uh, I always hate to kind of you know 
to kind of name off these things like number third city, but you know, and you know, and, and all these things you see on all these other people's websites where they rank their city. But reality is, uh, Moody's Magazine, which is a very, uh, very reputable publication, right. Little Rock is the number two most diverse economy in the United States, only number one to Chicago. Really, so downturn in the economy. Yeah. Um, so if there is a downturn in the economy. Uh, there's more, there's different sectors, but it's just not, it just didn't, it wasn't as felt as bad in, in, in Little Rock, really the state of Arkansas, as opposed to other markets. So a uh, very diverse economy, uh, a huge healthcare market. So, you know, being in Arkansas, Little Rock is the state capital. It's a lot of government jobs, but all the healthcare runs through Little Rock. So if you have to get a open heart surgery, um, you're likely getting that done on Little Rock. Uh, okay. Minor medical procedures, of course, you could do those in the outerlying communities, but uh, Little Rock tends to be the hub. You know, you, you get a sick child, you're coming to Little Rock. So, um, you know, those things, you know, is what kind of drives the economy. Uh, the property taxes are really cheap in Little Rock, really cheap. Uh, that, that helps on the cash flow. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So how, how do you compare property taxes? Is it like 1% of the purchase price or is it less than that? It's a little bit less than 1%. So oh, for, that's good. It varies for neighborhood. You know, they do, right. they, they based on assessment, a lot of times, a lot of times, most of the times the, the county assessor is really off. Uh, I'd say for if you're evaluating a property in Little Rock, if you were to use that 1% rule, so if you paid, you know, 100000 for a property, $1,000 for the year is a pretty good estimate. Um, some will be less, some will be more. Uh, so the property taxes are cheap and so are the landlord laws. Um, interesting story that uh, landlord, uh, Arkansas is a debtor state and, and they've changed the landlord laws a little bit. It's still very landlord friendly, but... Um, you know, a few years back when we first got in the market, if you didn't pay your rent, um, really the process was, I mean, rent's due on the first. If you wanted to, you could have gone down to the prosecuting attorney, filed that they were uh, late on rent. The prosecuting attorney gives it to the sheriff. Uh, they put a note on your door in three days. In three days, you got to be gone. Wow. That, that's that's fast. If you, if you weren't gone, you could get arrested. That's so, fast. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that sounds terrible. I mean, really, yeah. if you're a landlord, that sounds good. But at the end of the day, if you're talking about basic you know, rights that people need and have, uh, it, it should be a little bit stricter. And, it, and it's turned into more of a, um, uh, a judicial process. But still, that process is pretty quick. You can still have somebody out in 30 days or less. Uh, and a lot of times, we, we just still put that three-day notice to leave. And even though there, we've still gone through the, the paperwork of filing uh, what's called an FED, uh, a lot of the tenants just don't know and they just move. So oh, wow. uh, we don't have evictions that often. Uh, that's, you know, comes down to good screening and, and great property management, which we have. But, you know, it happens. You own enough properties, those things happen. Of course. Certainly helps when you've got um, um, friendly eviction laws. And not to mention, you know, low property taxes. If your property sitting vacant, those costs um, don't add up on you. Yeah, no, I like landlord-friendly states, and I live in California, uh, one of the most expensive, and on top of that, a tenant-friendly state. One of my friends just took about eight months to evict the tenant, and the property was uh, trashed, of course, after eight months. 
and I think he's spending like 40 grand on the property as well. So he lost rent worth of similar to about 20 grand over eight months and spending another 40 grand to get the property fixed. So, uh, you know, as a, as a landlord, as a rental property investor, of course, I'm always looking for landlord, uh, looking to invest in landlord friendly states. Yeah, I just I can't see that I could ever invest in a place where it wasn't landlord friendly. It's just too risky. Um, you know, even though it doesn't happen often, but things happen in people's right. lives. Anybody's control. Somebody loses a job, and um, you know they they can't afford their rent. Um, if they're going to stay there for eight months, that could take you years to get back uh, the lost cash flow. So yeah, I mean, landlord friendly is just. Uh, absolutely necessary to you know, just that should be one of the number one criteria of um, you know where you want to invest uh, something else i'd like to point out about little rock is um you know like i said we're in memphis too memphis has always been a renter town uh, even when we got in the business it's, it's been over 50 percent and it's and that number's kind of ticked up too but in little rock um when we first got in the market, it was somewhere in the mid, uh, it's called high thirties, low forties. And the number of renters coming into the market is increasing uh, year over year. I think last I checked, we're at 45, 46% of the uh, wow. living in Little Rock are renters. So there's more of a demand for rental property. And um, when you go to our website, you'll see the kind of re rehabs we do. And if you just go to Zillow and kind of check what other, uh, what other houses look like in Little Rock versus what our houses look like, uh, you'll see a, a huge contrast of, of uh, what these properties look like. So we're, we're putting a, a premium product with granite, new countertops, uh, I'm sorry, granite, new cabinets. And then you look at a lot of the other rentals we're competing against and it looked like, you know, grandma died, <laughs> left her, uh, her kids, no one could figure out what to do with it. And, was like, All right. and they made this, let's go ahead and rent it out. And you've got like shag carpet, yellow countertops, you know, it looked like something, um, you know, almost out of like a Brady Bunch type area. So uh, <laughs> if you get more renters in the marketplace, uh, you know, renters are no different from homeowners. They want homeowners. They want to live somewhere nice. And so we're answering a demand uh, providing quality rentals within that market. That's awesome. So what are the top three things which differentiates Memphis Turnkey from other turnkey providers, be it in Little Rock market or Memphis market? What do you do differently or what stands you apart? So, you know, if you want to talk about one thing in the Little Rock market, which makes us stand apart, um, it's the rehab. Uh, we, oh, okay. we have competitors now in Little Rock that we did have, but still we're the ones with grand countertops, uh, brand new cabinets. So that really does make us stand out, you know, and we do a great job in the Memphis market for, um, you know, the, the renovations look very similar, but we don't put in granite and we don't, you know, we can restore a lot of the counter, um, I'm sorry, the cabinets, but even the rehabs that we do in Memphis are considered top of the line, but in Little Rock, and there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good, we have a lot of good competitors in Memphis. So there's a lot of good products out there, but in Little Rock, there's, we don't have a lot of competition and the ones that are coming in are, we're not really doing what we do. So I'd say, you know, the renovation um, makes us stand out. Uh, I think the management, um, you know, management in Little Rock and in Memphis, all the, the individuals that work within the offices, the owners, they're investors too. 
and all we're doing is an extension of our you know, personal investment philosophy. So I'd like to think that uh, we're all good investors um, and we know what we're doing and that's all our management company is, is just an extension of that. So I think our management, uh, we've grown the management company in both markets outside of just the homes we sell. I think that's really based on reputation. So, you know, rehab, management, I think it's just, um, you know, saying about the product. Um, I mean, you know, I've, if you go on sites like Bigger Pockets, you'll see nightmare story of turnkey providers. Oh, yes. And it gives us a bad name. Um, and I think that's real estate in general. You, you always have a lot of bad players in real estate. I don't yeah. know why. I have, I have bad experience and I've shared that on my podcast before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we don't, you know, we, you would think everybody would, we truly care about the reputation, but we do. Uh, we're going to do what we're going to say. And, you know, to me, when you're in your business, it's just an extension of who you are, of how that company operates uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, the values. So um, I think these businesses are an extension of us. And although a lot of your listeners have never met me or met the other owners in Little Rock, uh, Brian and Jamie, uh, I think once you get to know us, you know that we're, we're good people. Um, and we're wanting to do, you know, we're wanting to do our investors well. So I think really what you know, makes us different is just that um, wanting to build that relationship, uh, wanting, wanting our clients to truly succeed and not look at this as just a, we're not just house flippers. We're operating a, a sustainable business through, you know, building relationships and doing what we say we're going to do. Got it. No, that's great. Uh, those are some of the top things, you know, of course, every real estate investor want to see in their turnkey providers. So how can my listeners reach out to you or find out more about the, your business? Okay. Our website is turnkeyinvestproperties.com. Like I said, the company is turnkey properties with a, uh, Offices in Memphis and Little Rock. And speaking of offices in Little Rock, uh, we just opened our new office. We encourage everybody to come visit us. We've got a fantastic office in a really nostalgic part of town in Little Rock. Uh, but go to that website, turnkeyinvestproperties.com. There's a phone number, 901-410-5452. Uh, that'll ring our Memphis office, and we, we handle all Memphis and, and Little Rock uh, inquiries out of, this, uh, out of the Memphis office. And there's also a link on our homepage, it says schedule a consultation. Just click on that and Andrew Akins will be happy to have a consultation with you. Just go over, you know, we've got warranties in place when you buy a property. Uh, we stand by what we do and, and just kind of go into the details of, you know, where we operate, how we do it, how we stand by our, our, our product and answer any questions that you may have. That's great. Thank you, Alex, for joining me on today's podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, um, so this was nice and um, had fun and looking forward to the next time we could get together and actually when we can meet in person. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Have a nice day. Right off, Thank you. If you are on the fence about investing or have any questions about alternative investments, please reach out to me at alpesh at wealthmatters.com. It's A-L-P-E-S-H at W-E-A-L-T-H-M-A-T-R-S dot com. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, 
please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing!